This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 40, Ex Machina. Welcome back, everybody. Yes. Woohoo. Ex Machina. <laughs> I thought it was cool when I saw the title, um, Out of the Machine, but normally the phrase is Deus Ex Machina, God out of the, or God yep. from the machine, right? Yep. Instead, we get the, uh, the Take on Me video. <laughs> I had not made that connection, but that is awesome. (laughs) Except she's not really out. I know. That's cool, though. I know. I mean, I'm sorry to leap right to the the end, but... No, it's okay. I think it's... At least to like the last 45 seconds. (laughs) I know. You know what, though? It's, It's clearly the most... The biggest thing in the show. So there's no reason not to talk about it right off the bat here, you know? I... I, I, at the one minute 30 remaining mark or whatever it was, I'm like, oh, she's gone. And then Henry's like, nope. <laughs> I know. I knew. I was like, okay, wait a minute. Is she really gone? No, she kept, really? Maybe she really is. And then they kept, you know, successfully getting me to think that that maybe she really was gone until that last little bit. <laughs> but I have to admit, I feel foreboding here because, I mean, it. I, I don't mean to be cynical. I don't mean to be jaded, but you, but. but you know, you know, Fargo loves Holly and Holly loves Fargo and they can't have, you know, a complete kind of relationship the way, th- I mean, if she's stuck in the wall, you know, well, oh, geez, Andy's already using the closet. Yeah. And the, the thing is like, Sorry. what if, what if Fargo wanted to have a family, you know, um, Fargo's going to age. There are all kinds of things that are going to, be a problem you know and and i know these are really awesome big sci-fi questions but i feel like this can't be a good thing in the long run well the reason i'm not too worried about that yet yet is uh the fact that weirder things have happened and you know if you think about it they kind of extracted and replaced these people once already you know their mind was in the machine and we put it back into them and 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 we I, mean, I guess you think it's a possibility she'll get her body back. I do. I mean, I, I in real, obviously in real life, no. But, That'd be awesome. But I think, yeah, I think if you think about it, it's well within the dynamic range of Eureka and what we see. You know, it's a very kind of comic book universe when it comes to death. You know, with when you have time travel and consciousness transfer and all this other stuff, death becomes a bit more mutable. You know, except so, for the pizza guy. Yeah, yeah. The pizza guy <laughs> definitely did it. That ever died in Eureka. <laughs> For sure. That dude sure. is dead, okay? <laughs> no, I think the guy who was frozen when he was stepping into the spa and then shattered, I think he really died too. <laughs> I'm know. trying to remember yeah. when uh when Kim, Henry's uh, you know, love from a long time ago, when she came back, she was essentially a clone, right? Yeah. And then we already saw another clone with uh, mm-hmm. the the very first season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, we're far from like sure about this. You know, like I, I guess I totally agree with the w- way you think about that. But yeah. I think 
I, I think it's it's a bit early for me to speculate too far because it's just too big an op- a chance that she could come back. Right. Well, I mean, even even in the form of, uh, you know, I mean, how many times have they rebuilt Andy? Yeah, really. You know, I mean, just yeah. build another one with boobs and you're good to go. <laughs> An I think, Andy with I think boobs. it would need to be more yeah. than I, I like to think that there is more to Felicia Day than Andy with boobs. Than Kevin Smith with so. boobs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> No, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly, though. Juan has a great point. I mean, that's another uh, a possibility, you know? I mean, lots or, of I mean, possibilities. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could also go the uh, the kind of darker route that maybe we'll see some kind of story where Fargo wants to upload himself out of his own body as well or something like that. Or Yeah. Yeah, to be that's with her true. Forever. That's true. I hadn't thought of that. He could be put in that little... Uh, that hollow, hollow cube from the uh, from the Barkley episode of Next Gen, where he explores the j- galaxy forever, or the similar one that they put the uh, replicator replicator chick from uh, Stargate Atlantis in. Yes. The, oh, the one the, that Rodney created. Yeah. Same thing. I was trying to remember her name. I can't. Yeah, I don't. Um, was that was that significant? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I almost forgot your name. Oh. <laughs> you know you know what i did like in this episode i liked uh zane and his friendship with fargo in this and oh man I, I liked it when he basically cut joe off you know when she was trying to explain why it wasn't healthy for fargo and why she knew best for fargo and he's like look i know you think you're helping him but you're not i mean i know that was tough for joe but i i thought that was really cool of zane to say it doesn't matter what anyone thinks you know, this is about him. Yeah, that came up twice. Yeah, that was you know, really it's cool. Not, and, and, you know, I, I have to admit that I have this kind of personal bias against that, that wishy-washiness that Joe has shown, where she's not quite sure what she wants, and that translates into you never know what she's going to do or how she's going to go, and, and that always bugs the crap out of me more than it probably should. So to see her finally, you know, ante up and make some decisions like that, I feel yeah. like this has changed her and that maybe she's going to be more the kind of character that I, I, I can enjoy, you know? I agree completely. I, I was thinking up until the point where she makes that call and, and goes and yanks the, uh, yanks the cord out on the, uh, on the Big Brother system that, you know, Pan really <laughs> her biggest problem, other than, you know, not knowing what she wants, is that she's never really integrated into the community in the same way that the rest of the 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 people have you know er, like w- we see that fargo has a problem and everybody risks their all to help him you know everybody's on board with this 110 percent, except for joe who has to take a little bit of extra time because she's not really sure she's not really sure she's not really trusting of the community and that that keeps her distant from it man i think that is dead on i i think that it's a, a trust issue Wow, I right. wonder so if she, she, she. I mean, that's that. I think maybe that's the problem we've been having with her character. Is she's always on the outside looking in at all of these people who have this mutual trust of each other. I mean, some of it, you know, earned, and some of it just, you know, because they have to with the whole universe changing thing. But <laughs> it's become like uh, this through whatever circumstances. This is a very tight knit group of people who very much trust each other. You would and think that after the Joe happens, Joe has happened to have been along for the ride. 
Yeah, I was going to say, you'd think that after going back to the 1940s, she was part of that group, you know? You would think that that would have solidified a lot of that. Right, but again, going back to not knowing what she wants and and then having to re-find Zane. And- it's yeah. not a lack stuff. of opportunity. It's, it's, it's that she just didn't make the jump. Right. She, she, she never made the jump from worrying about her own issues to worrying about the, the group's group as a whole. And... I mean, that shows here is that it does take her that extra time of, yeah, and I guess it really doesn't prove her character in either direction, either way, because when push comes to shove at the last minute, she's willing to do something that doesn't really show the same level of trust that every other character, you know, risk their career and their, you know, you know, not being in git modeness to, but, uh, but it, it is a <laughs> step for her though. It's a step for her, but it just shows how far isolated she is from the rest of these people. As not as much anymore, which is not good. as much I anymore. Like no, it, it is still it's it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that you know it's it's not a good thing that she. I mean she she's taking a step in the right direction, but it just shows how isolated. I get a sense has. that there's a, a lot of elements of her past, like with her growing up and her dad and stuff like that, that don't really come into play directly, but that have a lot to do with shaping who she is. I think that the writers do a good job of making that apparent. Like, we don't really talk about it. She doesn't really talk about it a lot. Just every now and then she'll bring it up, like her motivation. I'm with you. And yet time, it's a really big deal. Yeah. You, you yeah. can sense the power of it in her personality. You know, the more I listen to like uh, Nerdist Writers podcast and stuff like that, the more I realize that a lot of times we, I think we give writers less and more credit sometimes than, than maybe the situation calls for. Like, like we give them. Basically, we misunderstand frequently what's. No, I mean, like, <laughs> well, what I was going to say is like there are a lot of factors that come into play. And like, so on one hand, sometimes we don't give them enough credit for working so hard and trying so hard to craft things that, that give us meaning when we may not even know that's where we got it. Whereas sometimes I think we give them credit for things when in reality uh, a, a situation may have just caused it. Like, for example, what you just said made me think, you know, there is all this stuff and clearly they're thinking about that and they, they have backstories for Joe and, and what's going on and they definitely inform the way she acts and what she does. But the fact that we haven't maybe had a lot of opportunity for Joe-centric episodes maybe keeps us from seeing all that. And, and therefore we find ourselves in the position that you just, you know, mentioned where it's like, well, you know, there's all this stuff and we haven't quite figured out how it works with all this yet. Maybe we would empathize more with her if we understood that, you know, and yet it just isn't going to happen. in the number of episodes that we have and the kind of other very strong characters that we have and everything. So, Hey, one thing I just wanted to say, I'm sorry to hog time here, but I did one thing I wanted to, everybody got the panopticon thing, right? It was no. called panop. What? Well, I understand yeah. that. I mean, pan means all opt is visual, like all seeing. I got that. Well, but yeah, but there's the, the thing and I'm trying to remember who was it that wrote the famous, uh, was it, uh, it made me think of panoply. The word no, panoply. it's, it's the panopticon. Uh, it's the idea of, uh, like in a prison where you would have say a guard in the middle and you would have all these a big circle of cells that are open on the back. So, oh, um, English philosopher, philosopher and social theorist Jeremy Bentham. Right, and and later, um, oh, crap, who's the uh, Mill? 
No, I'm God. I feel like such an idiot. You know, I've only I only read this for like you know an entire semester twice, and now <laughs> now I just feel like a complete jackass because I, I uh, I'll find it in a, in a moment. You're talking about something in philosophy, though. Yes, as well as 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 practical. Um, Michel Foucault. Foucault. Uh, Foucault. Absolutely, yeah. it's Foucault as well. Uh, Foucault like took that and kind of brought it forward into some more complex ideas. And Bentham was the first to look at it in practical terms uh, of like monitoring patients, patients in a hospital and in a, in a, uh, uh, and in a, uh, uh, in a prison. The idea being that the person in the middle can see everyone, but the people in the cells uh, can only see the center. And in the best case, you would even have a situation where, uh, you know, you extend that further by saying that you may not even know whether the person is actually in the center watching you or not. So that, uh-huh, you know, yeah. the idea, what's, what's really important about this is not as much the fact that you can watch these people as much as what knowing that you could be watching them at any time does to them in terms of the way they behave. Right, right. And that's sort of where all of the kind of, you know, philosophy going forward comes out of the panopticon. And that's why it was so funny when they had this thing named Panop, and it really is like a better digital version of the Panopticon. You have these things all on the wall, and they are all green, right? Which means they're on. Yeah. You don't know if somebody's actually standing there watching you or you not. You just know that they're that the machine is watching you. <laughs> right. So, so how do you act when you are know you're being watched all the time? Well, the and, assumption is that yeah. it's recording as well. So true, true. Again, but will anybody look at that or what? I guess the right. The, the kind of scary thing about it is that, like, on one hand, yes, you're probably less likely to, say, do something stupid or maybe commit a crime or something, right? But on the other hand, it has a, a social impact that's really ugly, you know? Which is? Well, I mean, like, uh, like, like Foucault and, 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 and others have used this to suggest that this is how, you know, the military operates, right? Like, mm. these are how kind of these norms get, get put in place, uh, both positively and negatively. Um, because you know that things could happen, you know that it's it's. I guess the point being that you can you can only like control a person or a couple of people with one person, but with this kind of like mental control, you can control thousands or millions of people. One person could, and that's what this is doing. Is it's trying it it'll exert a control over people, which in one way, uh, like like the officer says, who's kind of a mid level guy who doesn't uh, Joe's friend, you know? Yeah, Sean. Yep. Yeah, who doesn't really know? Uh, isn't thinking about it socially. He's just thinking practically. And well, he says this is about this isn't about spying. It's about protecting people, which is true. Which we've heard you know lots of times in real life about, it is about surveillance. Right. It is about protecting people. On the other hand, it doesn't mean that. What, what about you know Eureka is a creative place. Eureka is like a cross between science and creativity. It's supposed to generate these new ideas and all this stuff. And if people are shut down to where they're scared of being watched all the time and they're doing things out of fear. Maybe, maybe not, you know, right. It's counterproductive to the environment that they've established there. And yeah, I mean, throughout the episode, every time they walk past one of those green things, I'm like, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk, don't talk. And yeah, they're they're all, it, it, it induces paranoia. And it, it, I don't know. It, it kind of goes down to that, that, you know, it's like if you're in public, technically you're, uh, you know, you're subject to, you know, anybody eavesdropping on you. But if you have, you know, cameras and microphones listening to you all the time, what does that do to you? 
It's funny, too, because uh, Allison, a couple of people said some really forward things, like when Allison and Jack kissed for a minute, and she's like, well, you went back in time to save me once, so... <laughs> I was like, why would you say that? Why would, Do you have to say that out loud in GD, like right now? Yeah. Um, I mean, we all know it. You guys know it. You don't need to remind the, you know, the pan-op system. Um, you know what I thought was cool in, in 1984, because they made some obvious... You know, I think yep. Joe actually said Big Brother. You oh, know? yeah. Um, one thing I always thought was really interesting in the novel was that the guy who figures out, you know, the main character who figures out a way to have private conversations. Right. He does so by going out into the middle of a crowd in public. The only way that he can get privacy is through the obscurity of all the voices and all the images because it's hard for a person, you know, in that situation where they basically had video screens, they had video and audio, but it still was, it still required a person to like cognitively sift through that. Right. And that was the best privacy that he could get was in the middle of this huge uh, public square. That is freaky. It's just a, uh, you know, I, I get separating it out and, and, and it does explain how, some positive systems work, you know, but on the other hand, man, I mean, you can, what they did is 1984 period. They just made 1984 in Eureka. And that's just a horrible idea. You know, well, Joe asked a really good question. She said, I don't know why Fargo would have been okay with this because apparently you he know, wasn't. He, yeah. Well, no, apparently he signed off on it at some point. Yeah, because he was not paying he, attention. His head was, you know, in the computer with, uh, you know, with Holly. Yeah, I'm guessing it's, you know, uh, Mr. Assistant goes sign all these memos and he goes, OK, whatever. Yeah, just didn't care because he was so. And I, I think that Fargo would have shot it down. I mean, it or tried to know, or tried to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just so very against this, that kind of. Uh, well, yeah, you know, social control. Uh, it's it's disturbing. I, I mean, that's why the the oh so heavy handed jab at Homeland Security was thrown in there, right? Yeah, is Homeland Security too busy groping people? To take <laughs> off? And now I'm going to get strip searched on every flight. You know, it's, you know it's, the funny thing is, it's, though, it's talking. It's it's trying to to allude to that slippery slope that that um that that you know security for the safety of the masses is taking well yeah i mean it's always those those forces always counterbalance you know liberty security liberty security and you know it's a very it's a relevant question mm-hmm. chuck oh no that's you, you cool. were gonna say something i don't remember it's okay <laughs> it's all good oh i i know one thing i i wanted to say was that i i think um it was interesting to me too, you know, the, and you remembered his name, the, uh, Joe's friend, what was his name? Shaw. Shaw. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Uh, so, so I thought it, he's kind of a throwaway character, you know, he just fills this role of, of being Joe's friend and being the installer of the Panoptica of the pen, pen well, op, right? And, and also fleshing out a tiny bit of Joe's backstory. Exactly. Reminding us right. what kind of person Joe used to be. And, and yet it was, I thought it was really cool the way they, they use that character at, you know, because at the beginning, you know, he kind of was was a little wary of her. Like, he didn't think that particularly well of her, maybe. Or he did, but he saw her as this person that needed his guidance, you know. And then as um, 
and yet when 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 she kind of first started to go to bat officially but not unofficially for everyone there she uh you know he said i hope your friends are are worthy of this trust you know both kind of a poke at, at the friends but also saying i respect you you know and I, I i think i see you're making a decision and i respect that but i hope it works for you i'm not sure i would do it and then at the end i thought it was kind of interesting that he he almost said not quite but almost was like you know i i think he seemed to be respectful of the fact that she had earned the trust of these other people and had built this loyalty with them and with her, because that's an important part of what leadership is far and beyond all this crap that people normally associate with leadership, like being capable of telling people what to do and stuff like that. Lots of people can do that. Earning that, that relationship is hard. And I think when he saw that, I, I felt like that last exchange between them was very much like him showing respect for her having obviously grown a lot as a as a a leader well especially with her and um you know what what was it special forces yeah you know she she was a team member on i guess on his team or whatever and and you know it's it it kind of shows where she comes from where it's it's not i don't i don't want to be harsh by calling it um blind obeying of of orders but you know she th- that was the that was the main difference between the two characters is that when at the end of the day he did his job that he was told to do and she looked at what was going on and made a call that she thought was right and i think that i mean to see uh, shaw as the embodiment of where she's come from as you know being as you know in military you you know get trained to do what you're told obviously so being able to break out of that a little bit and make an informed decision i mean whether it's for her friends or or for the safety of gd she she shows that she has grown since she's been since she was that person way to go on i hadn't connected that but you're absolutely right i mean he he represents where she came from and right. and he's not a bad guy or anything, but no, yeah, that's that's why I say I don't want to make it too harsh. Yeah, like, you're, he's not, you're not. He's not but... a dick. He's not like just. Yeah, he he's just he's doing his job and he's doing it to the best of his ability. And he's not in a position to ask a lot of questions. He's in a position to execute his order. Right. I'm and, not saying it's a bad thing. He he's. Right. I mean, as part of the military, that's his station. That's that's what he does, and he does it very well. I mean, he he did everything he could to get that system up online and. Well, you get the sense, too, that he, he's not unthinking about it. And I know you're not saying that, but hmm. you, you get the sense that he's not completely unthinking. He's not like, well, I don't ask questions. I just do what I'm told. You get the sense that he has thought about it and he doesn't see any problem with it, you know, but that she's in a different kind of position for two main reasons. One is that she's the head of security at this big company. And if she's the person in charge, that means that puts her in a unique role where she may have to do things like for example we see allison you know (laughs) break rules we see uh zane and we see fargo and all these guys breaking rules left and right in order to save holly's life and or or what they perceive could be her life and you know normally obviously rules are there for a reason obviously everyone shouldn't go around breaking the rules just because they think it's a good idea and sometimes people are going to have to own up to breaking those rules like Joe does. She ends up sitting in a cell and she's willing to, 
to take that, you know, but I think it's because she's in a, a different kind of leadership role, like Shaw, like you guys pointed out, is kind of a middle guy. So, yep. you know, and she's the head of her of her organization. It, yeah, it's, it's a very different thought process is that she has to make calls on, on, on this stuff. And when it comes down to it, it's a different environment, too. It's, it's not military. It's not right. structured that way. It's, it's a place designed to encourage the creative first. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's a completely different mindset. I mean, uh, military is about execution. This is about development, right? I mean, it's a completely innovation. different... Yeah. Innovation, yeah. And I mean, to be innovative, you have to break the rules. I mean, it's almost the definition of it. Yeah, it's you know, an to, interesting to, point. Well, the other thing, too, uh, other than, you know, the, the structural difference and the fact that she's the head of a, a creative organization, well, you know, innovative organization, and he's middle of military... Um, we also see her make that leap, like you guys were saying a minute ago, from the kind of former person that she was, which was more in line with that military, more toward the person who is taking a leap of trust. Right. When, when Zane kind of puts it to her, like, you're not helping him. And she sort of realizes that she's going to have to take a little bit more of a personal leap than she is and, and think outside herself a little bit more. And I think that's where we see the growth too. So I thought that was an awesome point, though. I mean, showing how Shaw is the is the representation of her her movement. Absolutely, no, absolutely, and that's it. You know, it, it what it, this is beautiful writing because if you think about it through this storyline, we have started by we have both grown Joe defined further defined and and explained uh, maybe i want to say some explicate you know something where essentially we've made us think more about what eureka is and and why eureka is special and operates the way it does mm-hmm. um you know we we brought some backstory in for joe we've deepened you know the understanding of what leadership of gd and running gd costs on a personal level and, and the effect it has on the characters, all of this through this storyline that also brings back Holly and changes the situation and moves forward kind of the arc a little bit. That's magic. You know, that's the kind of stuff I don't understand how, how they come up with it, but it's awesome. And, and to also be able to, uh, to, uh, to drop all of the, the kind of comedic moments into that, um, at the same time, it's, I don't know. I, I love the writing. <laughs> I love the Mission Impossible stuff <laughs> I, with Fargo and the the air ducts and everything. And what the, was it? What was it? Uh, Frodo has reached Mordor. Yeah, <laughs> God, that and the, was funny. the music was like a, a take on. Uh, it's like. I'm moving your balls with my mind. <laughs> sure, there's a better way of saying that. But, uh, yeah. And did Did anybody else get the the funny when you? Uh, you know, with with shooting Carter with the damn paintball gun, and then you could just see that uh, again. Morton just making that making Henry into this awesome. He has this smirk on his face the whole time. Like you can't quite tell whether he's just messing with him. I know. Or he's really- <laughs> I love Henry. <laughs> I thought Henry was messing with him when he was making the little the little balls, the little spheres. Or I guess he was in a way because it was the alpha, like it's technology that exists already. Right. He kind of made him think that he was like using telekinesis but <laughs> but not so much yeah it was awesome when he when he started with the paintballs i was like yes because every time you get carter in one of those like 
hairy physical situations. You've got to have it. Like every episode, you've got to have Carter like in one of those deals. Like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> being thrashed around or you know flung through the air or buried in dirt or <laughs> something. Colin Ferguson is a super pro with those. He 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 portrays that so well. He seems like yeah, such I'm, a good sport about yeah. it. I'm gonna guess that part of the Henry reaction was just Joe Morton going, "Oh my god, I can't believe we're shooting this guy with paintballs." <laughs> <laughs> this is a plot point. All right, cool. Bang, bang, bang. It's like that Trek moment with the uh, printer's ink. You know, I'd have never done that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, the behind the scenes with, uh, was that from Encounter at Farpoint with Next no, Gen? No, it was the episode in which, uh, in, in which, uh, uh, what's her name bites it? Um, oh, yeah, Tasha Yar. Yeah. Oh, it was uh, the one with the monster and yeah, they had actually. In the, it comes out of the pool of black no, crap. it was uh, Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, it was Riker. Riker. Yeah. Yeah. And they said that it was made with ink. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Brent's oh yeah, you're right. Crap the whole time. Like, yeah. I going into that thing, man. <laughs> I would have never done that. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, bad. bad. It's kind of scary when you think about your skin. I mean, your skin is like not impermeable. You know, it's a breathing <laughs> organ. If something sits on your skin long enough, it will enter your your bloodstream. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to go swimming around in Bic either. Yeah, well, like- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Metamucil and printer's ink. That's yeah. what they said. It's like, damn, that's not right. Yeah, just just don't open an orifice. Okay. <laughs> Any of them. <laughs> Any of them. Man. Yeah, well, you know, I I think uh if anything this is I I definitely get the feeling that we're angling toward pulling relationships together for the end of this. You know, normally when a when a season wraps up, you're looking for a cliffhanger, so you you're building towards some kind of yeah, new stress. conflict or yeah. yeah. And here, especially knowing that there's a final episode that was crafted after entirely after, I almost get the feeling that we're angling a little bit toward bringing people together. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm just hoping that they don't set up an interesting new story and then have to backpedal on that one episode. Eh, it could like, be okay. I, I, I'm going to think, though, too, that a lot of it can be accomplished by editing as well. Oh, yeah, hell that's yeah. true. You're so right. You know, they, they, if, they, if, they were, if there was like a, you know, a, a next season arc, like a season six arc that they were trying to drop in through all these episodes, but then they realized it's got canceled, they could go back and through the magic of editing, take out some of those references and stuff and actually recraft a lot of it. So Here's kind of a fun challenge. If you look backward at previous kind of, end of season cliffhangers yep you know setting up the next one almost all of them in my mind i can i could resolve relatively easily in a in a single episode if you cared to like look at the most recent one right you were building up the whole astraeus thing like you could very easily have had the astraeus mission be a success and move on right they, they, they <laughs> just launched prematurely and the, oh it's a good thing that we've gotten back from titan premature evacuation yeah. <laughs> and and the other thing that strikes me is that with eureka the plot you know the plot happenings have never been the prime focus eureka is a character driven show and uh and and the plot can be bent around in all sorts of ways <laughs> and has been i love know? how sarah and holly martin are gonna be like 
becoming friends. I love that we saw Sarah post uh, disaster. So yeah. Also, is it just me, or is is Carter going to have to pretty much move out here? Because I mean, <laughs> I know how many people are like having relationships inside his house. Everybody lives with Carter. <laughs> No, I mean, think about it. I, I Did mean, you say everyone except Carter? Everybody lives with him in, oh, in that house. I mean, I know Joe was living there. Joe was living there. She just moved out, right? And and Zoe's Sarah is there. And uh, Andy's there all the time. Andy is there all the time. And and, uh, uh, and Allison was, pretty much lives with him there. She does. I think she does. Either live does with or yeah. is there all the time anyway. Either way. Did she and the kids move in? I can't remember if they did or not in the real world. I think world so. Or, yeah. If yeah. not, it's same difference. We haven't seen the kids I mean, at they're all. They're getting like, married, so that'll have to be figured out either way. Yeah. So. But you see where I'm going with this. It's yeah. like, well, okay. I, I live in a robot house with a robot deputy. <laughs> Let's give this a chance. Right? <laughs> yeah. I think therefore I am. That was a cool, that that was was a cool. cool line there. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how disturbed i am about the idea of uh, fargo living in a house voiced by himself <laughs> i thought i don't I, think he's gonna live there but i swear but yeah. Well, yeah he'll just be there all the time <laughs> like andy i i swear i was pretty certain that they were gonna like i was like oh god sarah's gonna disappear they're gonna revoice sarah it's gonna be this mix of that's them. what i thought they can't exist like, at the same time and that's it you know they're <laughs> two vix two vix oh my god <laughs> There's a computer named Holly. That's pretty funny when you think about it. So Holly and Sarah, so it would be Holla. <laughs> Holla. I, I was just thinking Red Dwarf, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Sup, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, we're going to see uh, kind of a, some new direction next week. Things are going to start. Uh, we've got a lot of resolution. This felt like a very resolution-filled sort of episode, so... Uh, it's time to shake things up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next week. I hope Grace comes back. Me too. I think she will. I got the feeling that was going well. Did you guys? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. That, I mean, and she's been mentioned in every episode as well. I'm, yeah. It would be nice to have her show up again. Yeah, I hey, agree. This is a different subject, but did anyone else think of Terminator 2 uh, in the lab scene when... Uh, when Holly was in the giant laser pointer, essentially, you put me, you, you dedicated a laser pointer to me. It's lame. Um, but when she, when she was first like firing it and, uh, I think it was, it was Henry and Carter and they were like, Oh my God, you know, it's out of control. And they were like ducking and diving behind the lab tables and stuff. It looked a lot like the lab in, um, the Skynet lab. Oh, that's just because, you know, it's the same guy. <laughs> No, the lab looked like the Skynet lab. Right. And it's the same guy. I, right. I know, I'm just saying. I mean, I, yeah, well, it's yeah, hard to... That, that maybe... I think that might be a little subtle reference that they threw in there. I thought it was cool. If not, it's just <laughs> yeah. him. It just keeps happening to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like every single thing I'm in. I got Why? people shooting crap at me. In a lab. In a lab. I'm not going in the lab. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's in I'll my contract. Script, but if it has a lab seated it... I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be cool if we have a like a Linda Hamilton kind of reference. Have Allison show up like all dressed up like Linda Hamilton with the, you know, rescuing them out of one of those scenarios. Be cool. It's so easy to reference Terminator because it's just such a, a, a ubiquitous story. It comes back again and again. It was done well in Terminator. It so holds up too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I agree. 
You know, I, I heard that Schwarzenegger said that he's going to be in two new uh, Terminator movies in the future. Cool. And a Western. Really? A Western? A Terminator Western? No. <laughs> Terminator. <laughs> Terminator in the... They've he just keeps like, going back in time for their Finally, they're in the Old West. <laughs> I'll be back in the Old West. <laughs> it'll be like, you know what, the first one, it'll be like the you end. You see him walk into a saloon. It'll be like the end of Back to the Future 2 where they tease it, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see the, the big crane shot, like... Totally. He gets his hat. What kind of stupid name is that? We see him get his hat blown off. He's being drugged in the mud by like the robot. Future text to be terminated. Nice. On that note. Audrey, you got anything to add here as we wrap up? No, no, just I can't <laughs> wait to find can out. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to find out what's going on with Holly, and I really want to see Grace come back. And I'm wondering if Allison's kids are still around or not. <laughs> they are. They're virtual. If there's if there's no crisis directly involving them, they just don't Disappear. show up. They'll be teenagers next time too. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? We got to get that like nine year old back to play Jenna. <laughs> Juan, you got anything to add? No. <laughs> we'll see you next week, everybody. From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.